At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, welcome to the Friday podcast. It's a great one. Bill O'Reilly, Michael Malice is on. We also talked to the woman who started Give, Send, Go. She is a warrior. She is coming up against the Canadian government and I believe the American government as well. Uh, you don't want to miss a second. Also, uh, we hit a lot on the Canadian truckers and give you an update there. All on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So we have um, the Give, Send, Go uh, people on, the founder on, uh, in about 90 minutes from now. I can't wait to talk to them. Because, you know, it's illegal now to give money in Ottawa to these truckers. It's illegal. And um, a GoFundMe, they, you know, they, they raised the $9 million. They gave $1 million to the truckers. And then they realized this is a violation. We can't let you raise money for things like this. You know, we just we, we will raise money for legitimate things like um, bail money for anybody who was, you know, caught burning down a town, you know, in the name of BLM or Antifa. Of course, we can raise money for that. But these truckers, absolutely not. So we're going to take the $9 million or $8 million that's left and we're going to give it to uh, people that we choose. Okay, and then Ted Cruz went. I think we need to open up an investigation. They're like, "What did what did what, what did you think we said? We didn't say that. <laughs> you, you're one of those guys that believes that they were really going to give away crack pipes, right? I mean, build back better, not build crack better. That wasn't you. You got to listen clearly. Okay, we didn't say that. We said we're going to give it to places that the truckers say we should give." Oh, okay. Hmm. Wow, that still seems like fraud, but maybe that's just me. So we're going to talk to uh, Give, Send, Go because um, they're saying, because Ottawa, the courts yesterday said, it's illegal and uh, you can't raise money for them and you better not distribute any funds to them and Give, uh, Send, Go. Um, Well, they're Christians, so they probably didn't say this, but I would. I would. Screw you. <laughs> and they said that uh, the, uh, the as much as they love the courts in Ottawa, they don't have any jurisdiction. So they're sending the money to the truckers. Uh, and by the way, GoFundMe, as somebody who has uh, probably helped you make a lot of money, you know, because you take a percentage of every donation, and that is great for you. It really is. It is. Um, I will never send a dime your way ever again. I will never use GoFundMe, and neither should you. No one in this audience should ever use GoFundMe. Ever. Give, send, go.com. 
somebody who uh, is just doesn't have a political agenda that they're just going to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's fine. But uh, now we're feeling some pressure and we just don't. We're going to fold. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Not a dime coming your way. Anyway, let's uh, change to our commander in chief. And when I think of Joe Biden, I think commander, commander, master and commander. He is he's on it. Here he is. A couple of clips from the Lester Holt interview that will air right before right before the Super Bowl. Uh, Let's go with uh, let's go with clip number one here. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. <laughs> well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, I understand that's your job. But look, uh, at the time... Hang on just a second. What? You're being a wise guy with me. You're being a cad. You're being a cad, a chucklehead, a fop doodle, you know, uh, a gadabout, a, a, a grumpletonian. That's what you are. And I and I understand that. But I'm no ninny hammer. And, uh, you know, you're just being a white lily livered uh, sneaks by you scamp. And uh, I'm just not going to I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. I mean, could he be many any older than he is i mean he is not you, without being petrified yeah you, you're just pretty being, sure now you're being you're being a wise guy you're being a wise guy <laughs> jeez but if if he's not just out of date he also has no idea what he's talking talking about listen to what he says about inflation here and was the uh let's look at the reasons for the inflation okay I'd love the to. reason for the inflation is the mm-hmm. supply chains were cut off Meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, uh-huh. the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles uh-huh. so they could function, they need those computer uh-huh. chips. Okay. They were not available. So what happens? Uh-huh. With the number of cars that were reduced, the new cars uh-huh. reduced, it made up at one point one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles uh-huh. are up. One point one, one third, third the cost. <laughs> what? And, you know, can I tell you something? <laughs> I never thought of it this way. You know, mm-hmm. when I go to the grocery store and I buy cereal and I think all of the chips that go into the cereal, all of the chips, mm-hmm. I buy bags of chips. Yeah. Of course they're going up. Yeah. Chips are hard to make. Right. You know, it's hard to get them. There's a shortage right. of chips. So this Super Bowl, you're going to be, you know, I don't care if it's Doritos or Lay's, you're going to be paying more for those chips because... There's a shortage of chips. Mm-hmm. And when you come to dips and, and things like that, mm-hmm. you don't know the amount of chips that are in those things. Uh, soda, meat, my gosh, the cattle now, you know, we couldn't get the chips for the cattle. Yeah. You've heard of cow chips, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. That's what he's saying here. Right. That is, are you kidding me? That is your definition? That was the problem? Yeah. And this guy's going to fix it? No. Because there were fewer cars being manufactured, uh, like cereal went up 18%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, and what? Wait a minute. And so what What happened to gas? Yeah. Well, oh, we couldn't uh, get the chips. <laughs> no, 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 that's not it. Eh, wrong answer. Even if phrased in the form of a question, still the wrong answer. Uh, but he's got a handle on things. Here's, oh, yeah. here's cut two. And there was no way we were ever going to unite 
Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Now, I understand that if he was going to say, like, he was calling his, you know, his lovely wife, Jill, and he calls Jill his daughter's name. And, you know, because I do this all the time. I'm like, yeah, Hannah, Mary, Cheyenne, mom, Tanya. I mean, you know, I do that all the time. Uh, but that's not really the same thing here. Uh, Lester Holt said Afghanistan in the form, yeah, in the no, question. No, 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 no. So he's answering a question about Afghanistan. I can't think of the name. I want my, I want my nummies. Uh, Mexico, oh, Canada, <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> Eastern Africa. It is. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's bad. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Bad. And. Let me tell you something. When the rest of the world sees that, they think, don't screw around with America. Yeah, don't they, though? Now is, now is not the don't time they. to take advantage of America. No, uh-uh. <laughs> not with this. that sharp oh, commander-in-chief in, yeah, in you charge. Know, you know, you might think that he's a complete bumbling idiot uh, mm. that doesn't know what he's even talking about. Or, you know, he might have put a pizza box on as a shoe this morning. Uh, but no, no, no. That's all a ruse. He's sharp as a knife. A butter uh, knife, but sharp. Yes. Still a knife. I'm just yes. saying. It is a knife. So we got. Oh, my God, we're so doomed. <laughs> it feels like it when you listen to him. It feels like it. And you know what? I still don't give, you know, Bill O'Reilly always says, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he actually does. I think he's he's there enough for maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes a day. Yeah. Where he's like, we're going to put out all of the truth back out of them. When the meds are strongest. Yeah. Then he knows. Yeah. And and I, I think he, I mean, he he's there enough. To know if we run on a train out again and then them hundred uh, get money from China because they'll get the bait, right? Did I say that out loud? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, he this you cannot be this wrong. And by the way, you know, everybody was like, Donald Trump is out of control. I hope there are people in that office that are doing all they can to make sure that he doesn't blow up the whole world. <laughs> If this guy is really that out of control, where's everybody around him? Notice there's nobody saying, oh, he's completely out of control. He j- we just come in, give him his numbers. Uh, you know, I want my numbers. Where's my nummies? I want nummy nummies. Where's my pudding? Uh, they don't say that about him. Oh, no, he's completely in control. They say the opposite. Yeah. Uh, Jen Psaki went on a, a few weeks ago talking about how he's so wonderful to travel with because he's so funny and witty and sharp and charming. And uh, <laughs> No. Is there anybody that believes that? Come on. Come on now. He might just like, hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's probably what it's like with him on Air Force One. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, wait, pudding, pudding. Well, where's my pudding? I love Air Force um, pudding. It's the best. I love it. Where are we going? <laughs> when are we? When are we? When are we going? You promised you'd take me to the circus. When are we going to the circus? <laughs> and I love the people who say, "No, no, no." You know, I think he's going to run. Mm. What? I mean, Disney is no way. a leftist company, so they may Big just time. put some chips, but they're hard to get a hold of now and make him audio animatronic. 
But I don't know. I mean, that may take us longer uh, than, you know, the time period we have to to fill him full of chips and make him into a Disney robot. I will say this. I just went to the president's. What is that? The president's uh, of the United States of America display at Disney where they do the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have him now. Hall of Presidents. And the Hall of Presidents. And at the end, he speaks, and his animatronic is about a thousand times sharper than he is. (laughs) I think really. His animatronic would probably do better uh, as as a candidate than he would. I think you could with deep fakes. You could just run him. He's in his basement. He's in his base. Would it surprise you if that ever happened? No. I mean, we're on the today. verge of it. No, no, it wouldn't. We're it on would. the verge of it. I know. I had a congressman write to me yesterday and say, thank you for talking about deep fakes. Because we talked about it yesterday mm-hmm. on uh, Boba Fett. If you watch Boba Fett, and I watched it against my will, honestly, with my son. And I love this. This is a great. I'm kind of done with the Star Wars thing. Um, but I won't give away anything. But. In one of the later episodes of this season, uh, there is computer generation uh, that, I mean... You can't tell. You cannot tell. And it's of a very famous person. And you would... If you didn't know who that person really was, if you didn't grow up with Star Wars like we did, you wouldn't think twice. You would absolutely Mm -hmm. believe that is that person. And it's for a very long scene. I mean, I watched it like three times. He's throughout the whole episode. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's incredible. Do I believe that? Yeah. Here's what's going to (laughs) happen with deep fakes. Somebody, and it'll be a government, will make Vladimir Putin say something that he didn't say and will go to war. And it won't necessarily be our government. It'll be somebody else that just wants a war. Um, Or they'll make Joe Biden or they'll make Donald Trump. And you won't believe it. And then the other side of that is. What? Once you have that, then somebody can be on tape doing drugs. Well, I wouldn't want to say this because we have Hunter Biden that's doing the stabbing somebody to death and they actually did it. And they'll be like, that's a deep fake. And people won't know what to believe. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Please, Lord, please confuse our languages and (laughs) scatter us, please, before we do any more damage. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. The host of You're Welcome, author of the Anarchist Handbook, Michael Malice, joins us for a look at uh, what he thinks are the big stories of the week. Um, I just talked to Bill O'Reilly. Um, and we were talking a little bit about uh, inflation, and I want to talk to you about that, uh, Michael. But I, I'd like to start with the trucker thing. These guys are being called anarchists, and uh, I don't know if that fits the definite. But you are the guy who wrote the book on anarchy, so are they anarchists? Um, let me choose my words very carefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. If you are in a Canadian winter and the police come and steal your firewood, the anarchist response isn't smiling and nodding. (laughs) And uh, in all seriousness, you know, there's few people who uh, condemn the police more than I do. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the point I was making. How much money 
would Justin Trudeau have to pay someone to take firewood away from a working parent who is peacefully protesting the policies of their government? This is something so beyond acceptable behavior and something so despicable and reprehensible. Every single person listening to this, if you saw someone shivering in the cold who's a dad, who has a job, you would want to offer them warmth. You would not want to take it away. That it, you would do that to a dog. This is basic human decency. And it also, I think, is very helpful for the government to have to show its hand. Because for a long time, we all thought that, you know, they wouldn't do something like this. And now that they're being forced to, we're seeing, yeah, yeah, they would. There's no line they won't cross. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you saw the um, police officer who quit, and I wish there were more, but there was only one that quit yeah. and said, look, I, I don't believe in what we do anymore. I've always thought that if push comes to shove, we would do the right thing. And I'm sorry, but taking firewood from people is not the right thing. We're on the wrong side and I can't do it anymore. There was only one yeah. guy that said that. And to, and I would also make the other point. If you are comfortable taking firewood away from these truckers in the Canadian winter, if the orders were given for you to, God forbid, draw on them, you would follow that order. There's no moral difference between one and the other. It's just messier and quicker. So I think it's just absolutely. And this here's the other thing, Glenn. If it wasn't for social media showing those footage, yeah, you'd, you'd, we'd all be told this yep. is a widely discredited conspiracy theory mm -hmm. being pushed by far-right extremist websites mm -hmm. that they would never do this. The only people they're taking firewood from are Nazis. Uh, the only reason these Nazis hate Trudeau is because he's black. So <laughs> this is what the story would be told, and people believe it. People will believe that all the truckers from Canada voted for Trump. They, they could say these kinds of things with a straight face and enough of their audience would smile and nod. It is. It's remarkable. And you don't know who to believe um, because you want to be fair, uh, you know, and I don't see the evidence, but there's Canadians that are just watching the CBC. They're just they're watching the government news and our ours is just as bad. I mean, our news is in with the government. Our social media tech companies are in with the government. So it's really hard to be fair because you 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 can see some things, but you don't. There's nobody there that you feel like, OK, I can trust this person to tell me really what's going on. I think our news is better because, first of all, Canada has an enormous amount of subsidy of their news. Uh, in their budget, mm -hmm. and this was something that was part of Build Back Better, which, thank God, was shot down. In the same way that if any of these airlines discriminate against progressives, you know Mitch McConnell would be on the phone with them and fill up their budget shortfall in five minutes. Um, they were trying to push this through because many of these propaganda outlets are failing because people right. are sick of hearing the same stupid song over and over and over. How many years do you have to hear Sheldon say Bazinga? It's the same thing. Racism, climate change, racism, climate change. We get it. Everyone you don't like is a racist or against climate change. So that does not do well for business. I think CNN was down 90%. Now, in a market, that would mean these organizations go out of business. But the Democrats came in and tried to have 
taxpayers subsidize their propaganda and it failed. So thank God for that. And one more thing, as sanctimonious and horrible as American newscasters are, which includes many of our former colleagues and current colleagues, Mm -hmm. they're much worse in Canada. If you look at them on social media, they really are just the most mediocre and yet sanctimonious people. I'm sure you saw that clip of that reporter talking to one of those trucking dads threatening his son on behalf of the government. It was uncommon. And then he complained that the trucker told him to go F yourself after the guy asked him, is your kid in danger? Let me ask you, um, let me ask you about another story that I think is massive this week. And that is Joe Rogan. Your thoughts on what's happening with Joe Rogan. Well, I I was the one where that kind of story broke because I saw, or someone said to me, excuse me, that two of my episodes got pulled. This forced the left. Don't worry, people. Um, And I, of course, support Joe. I support my friend. Yeah. Um, You know, there was this hit piece, hit reel, that went around of him using the N-word. And he pulled all those episodes. The episode of mine that he pulled, he was discussing how someone got fired for saying, you shouldn't say this word at work. So it was completely lacking context. And here's the thing, Glenn, it's been about a week later. This, this, uh, this coordinated attack failed. Uh, he hasn't done canceled. People are still doing his show. I don't think his numbers went down. It kind of went away. And this is something that should offer us hope because people are tripping over themselves online to show their support for him. And I, I don't think that this kind of uh, um, campaign worked. Do you disagree? Um, well, they're not done. They will continue to chip away and chip away. But I do. I will tell you this. Um, I think it actually made Joe Rogan maybe perhaps more popular. Um, it made the mainstream media look really bad, like they had no idea what the common man was, who right. he even was. Um, and I think that people have had enough. So even if they don't know necessarily who Joe Rogan is, except you know, obliquely they've run across a couple of his clips or whatever. Um, I think people are so sick of the cancel culture. And as you said, you're a racist or you're against global warming or whatever, a conspiracy theorist that they're done with it. I think this could be the, the beginning of the average person just saying, go to hell. I don't care what you say anymore. Yeah. And the thing is when you have a podcast, as you know, there's Rogan's podcast is three hours. If you listen to someone talk with their guests for three hours and have those conversations, you get a sense to know them. Yeah. So after it's very, very hard if you're listening to someone for three hours a day for years, or even just once a week to be persuaded. This is someone that you know that they're not just based on a bunch of clips thrown together. Mm-hmm. It's honestly, and it's also transparent of what's what they're trying to do as well. It's why it's why the left doesn't want you listening to long form podcasts or, or right. radio shows. I mean, my agent said to me the first time I ever talked to him, he said, I got to check you out. I'll call you. And I said, you mean there's a there's a chance you won't take 10 percent of my money? And he said, no. He said, uh, you can't do talk radio three hours, five days a week. If you're not who you say you are, the audience yeah. will smell it in a second and you'll be done. And I don't want to be I don't want to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Right. And there's such a big difference between discussing an issue or a group of issues over three hours and soundbite culture. 
You know, for a long time, the corporate press had were wringing their hands. Oh, our views are so nuanced. You know how Jim Carrey, Jim yeah. Carrey was against the word for you. Oh, his, his views are nuanced. And they're like, you know, we don't, there's no problem for politics. So then you have someone has three hour conversation where you could really get into the nuts and bolts. And then it's like, oh, 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 not like that. Let's bring it back to CNN. Right. And the thing, how corporate media works is they will present an issue, which apparently we're supposed to have an opinion about, and then to simultaneously give you what your opinion should be. So it allows marginally intelligent, highly educated people to feel smarter than they are because they just learned about this issue and now they have a perspective that was spoon-fed to them. So it's a very different paradigm uh, than the podcasts, which are long-form and who knows where the conversation is going to go. So there's a lot of young people, and you might be best at answering this, Michael. There's a lot of young people that, you know, are, they buy into some of the Marxist bullcrap of the bourgeoisie and everything else. Um, and they've always looked for the little guy, the worker, to rise up against the machine. In the West, the machine has been both good and bad for workers. Um, but generally speaking, people have, you know, their car and their TV and their life and they're, they're okay with it. They're fine. And they're not rising up against the machine. And so they knew that was the failure. Now it, all of these leaders are the big money elites and they're in with corporations. They are the government and everything else. They've become the bourgeoisie. Um, and they're, and they're stomping on the truck driver. When does the average person wake up to that and going, wait a minute, uh, we become everything we despise? I don't think the average person is capable of waking up. Um, the average person is just going to be ballast. And if they're in Iran, they'd be very, you know, there'd be marginally jihadi uh, in certain areas. In America, in a rural area, they're going to be red. In the cities, they're going to be hardcore pro-mask. So they're really not in a position to wake up. What matters, in my view, is the people who are opinion makers who are waking up, who are realizing how the game is played. But what's brilliant about these truckers is that if you said five years ago that there might be some kind of false flag operation, that they're going to plant like racist iconography in order to discredit you, everyone would think you're a complete tin hat lunatic. And now it's a given that the government is, the Canadian government is going to try to pull stuff like this. It's a given now that they are going to try to provoke the truckers into violence in order to um, have an excuse to clamp down on them with authoritarianism. The amount of people on social media of, who are uh, elites who are asking for absolute violence against these truckers, oh my none gosh. of them are getting suspended from Twitter, of course, but they're all demanding that these people get their tires slashed, that they get arrested. It is beyond, because they're losing their grip on power and they're losing their control of the conversation. They cannot abide the concept of defiance because if you successfully defy them once, you could do it as much as you want. And then they're really SOL because they mm. do not have the ability to persuade. These are not charismatic people or elites. Great, great perspective. Michael, yeah. thank you so much. Michael Malice oh, he is the uh, host of Your Welcome. You can follow him on his website, michaelmalice.com, or on Twitter at Michael Malice. Is, uh, his uh, uh, book, The Anarchist Handbook, you know, I don't believe in anarchy. He obviously does. Um, however, there's a lot that we can agree on. It's strange. It's a time for very strange bedfellows. And uh, I love Michael. He's really, really funny and very smart.
This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, how are you, sir? I'm the same, Beck. You know how that is. <laughs> I got to stop asking you that question because that is yeah. your answer every time. I'm the same, which is kind of sad. But kind of sad. Um, yeah, I don't evolve. I'm not an evolving kind of guy like you are. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. I know. I know. Um, well, how do you fix perfect? So, Bill, uh, let's uh, let's start with the biggest story of in of the week. In your opinion, what do you think it is? The Biden interview with my pal Lester Holt. Really? Um, yeah, because. It gives you an insight into why the country's in chaos now, and it is. And, and so it's a 22-minute interview. As you pointed out in your introduction earlier, I, I did three Super Bowl interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine were 17 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, two with uh, President Obama, one with President Trump. Um, and they are difficult interviews to do because uh, I had to do two of them live. Uh, right before the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday. And that was a tough one because, you know, Obama, he can filibuster. Yep. He, can, he can give you 20 minutes on your socks. Yeah. So, um, so can Donald Trump. It, you know, and he can, yeah, Trump is yeah. a wanderer kind of guy. People don't uh, know how hard it is to interview these guys because you have a very limited time and you've got so many things you want to ask. And it's easy for right. them to make you look rude by interrupting. Uh, and Lester, from what I've seen, they released eight minutes out of the 22, and you got to figure that's the tough stuff. Uh, Lester did his job, all right? Unlike some of the other people in the past who uh, would not challenge, Lester did. So there were two things that struck out in the eight minutes that NBC released. The first is the delusional world that Joe Biden lives in. And, and again, this is important. This is not just cheap-shotting a president for ideological reasons. If the leader of the free world lives in a delusional world, that's going to come back to hurt everybody. Mm-hmm. So he says basically that, no, 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 no. Even though the Pentagon told us, the Biden administration, that it, this wasn't the right way to get out of Afghanistan, I reject their report. So you go, oh, you know, you're not a military expert. Neither is anybody surrounding you in the White House. No one. Yet there's voluminous evidence that you were told just pulling everybody out in the middle of the night and abandoning Bagram Air Base would lead to disaster, which it did. And you reject that? That's delusional. Well, it, but it's but it's more than that, isn't it, Bill? I mean, it's not just delusional. The fact that he never took responsibility for it or or has paid any price for it is even a bigger well, he problem. Paid, he's paid a price, and, and I, that's why the the stat you just cited fifty six percent of Americans don't agree with anything he's ever done because Afghanistan destroyed his credibility among independents. Mm. And so he did pay a price in the court of public opinion. Now, the second uh, interesting part was the inflation. So clearly Biden, in the beginning of the inflationary spiral up, clearly said, ah, temporary, don't worry about it. Ah, don't worry about it. 
So now we're, you know, zeroing in on eight, nine months of higher prices for everything you need. And so Holt goes, yeah, were you wrong? Did you underestimate that? Oh, no, 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 no. You're a wise guy for asking that question. Now, for me doing that interview, I would have said, no, I'm not. I'm not a wise guy. I'm doing my job. Inflation is hurting every single working class American. And you're sitting there with a wrong prediction. Did you boot it or not? That's not a wise guy question. That's what I would have done, which is why NBC News would never hire me. But it's uh, <laughs> but it's also, uh, you know, his explanation. He's like, let's look at what caused uh, inflation. Uh, you know, uh, we couldn't get chips for the cars. And that's uh, what's making cars. Well, what's making my bread and my eggs and my gasoline go up? Right. But and, and then he says something even more absurd. That if you pass my bill back better, $2 trillion in federal spending bill, inflation will go down. I don't think there's an economist in the world that believes that. And then it goes back to my initial very perceptive analysis. Beck, he lives in a delusionary world. Okay, so let's just say that's true. Where, what world do the people around him live in? I mean, where is, you know, we heard the press. I hope, God, there's somebody in the White House that's going to stop uh, Donald Trump from blowing up the whole world. Where are the calls for anybody? I mean, you can't be this wrong and love the country uh, and have people around you that love the country and not say to you, Mr. President, um, you know, if you don't change, I, I've got to say something because this is this is the worst track record for America of all time. There's nobody. Is he delusional or is he surrounded by people who who are taking the country in a completely different direction? OK. Jimmy Carter did the same thing, but he didn't do it as quickly. So Biden has, has brought the country to a bad place in a year. Carter took him two years. Carter had a staff. Biden has a staff. Trump had a staff. And believe me, if you went in and told Trump that he was screwing up, you weren't going to be there long. Mm-hmm. Okay? Same thing with Biden. I mean, if you go in and, and say, you know, Mr. President, with all due respect, I think we should probably tell the world that we miscalculated both inflation and Afghanistan, but... Even though Afghanistan, we can't do anything about inflation, we're going we're gonna to get down. And here are five things that we're going to do um, that you can go out and say. Now, would Biden fire the person? Mm, probably. And, and it would be Jill Biden who does it, as I have been telling my uh, audience on the radio and on BillOReilly.com, the it's been news. Jill Biden is the White House whisperer. And last week you saw her for the first time go out mm-hmm. and talk about policy. Yeah, what was that about? What was that about? That was about, she, she gave a speech to the community college people in Virginia, no, D.C. And she said, well, we're not going to get free community college, and it's a shame. Uh, both Joe and I think it's a tragedy, blah, blah, blah. She had never really talked policy before, but I know that she is the whisperer in the White House, far more powerful than uh, Ron Klain and Susan Rice and the others. And, you know, Jill, I don't think has the acumen, 
with all due respect to her uh, PhD in education to run the country. But I think Joe Biden has more influence than anyone else on Joe Biden. So you're a history buff. You know, Edith Wilson, Woodrow Wilson's wife. Do you think it's that kind of situation and could get that bad where she really was the president? Yeah. Well, I've partied with uh, Edith Wilson. Um, <laughs> what, in your 50s? <laughs> yeah. She, uh, you see, at the time, Woodrow Wilson had a stroke right. and became incapacitated. It was almost over for that administration. And the, what happened in the country after World War I was that the president basically sat back and didn't do much. Here, we're right in the middle, um, not in the middle, we're right at the beginning of the Biden administration. I compare Jill Biden to Nancy Reagan. I think that's a better comparison. Because Nancy Reagan, once Ronald Reagan was shot, and as you know, Beck, as you read my book, Killing Reagan, very mm-hmm. closely, Nancy Reagan emerged as the most powerful person in the White House because you could not see Ronnie, couldn't see him couldn't talk to him. And that includes his top advisors, unless Nancy signed off on it. Now, Nancy had no interest in public policy and, and did not get involved other than the drug just say no thing. But Jill Biden apparently does. And she's a very liberal woman, very, very liberal woman. Yeah. I, um, you know, I will tell you that um, this is why I like uh, Ron DeSantis so much. Uh, his wife is makes him look like a flaming liberal. <laughs> his wife is. Yeah, I don't know. Very conservative right now. Yeah, I'm she's. Down, and I mean, coming yeah. from New York to Florida, two different countries. Yo, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it, it is absolutely incredible. Um, the life I live in New York, and then I get on a plane, and I'm down here in Florida, and it's totally different in every way yeah better in florida Mm -hmm. um but i don't know desantis's wife i have not partied with her as i did with edith Edith. yeah no but i i will tell you that um i've heard that from multiple people that she you know i think she's cuban isn't she uh you know or cuban descent and she is uh very conservative and it is the wife that you really need to watch um, yeah, because they a wield a lot Trump. of power. Yeah, a lot not of power. So, Bill, how bad you've lived through this before? I've lived through this before. This inflation number. A lot of Americans, especially younger, if you if you weren't aware in the 1970s, you have no idea what's coming your way. Uh, and if it's 7.5% now, that's a year average. You start dropping these, you know, months off that were pretty good, uh, you, you know, uh, in relation to what we're going through now. We're, we're at least officially probably at, what, 10 this month? Well, there's a Pew study out this week. It says 7 in 10 Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. I don't believe that. I think it's probably about 50 but even if it is 50, um, now you have uh, more money going out than you anticipated. And if you don't have any backup, any savings, as you know, this study demonstrates, you're sinking deeper and deeper into the morass. And this is what 
is going to kill the Democrat Party and the progressive movement. So put Biden aside. He doesn't know economics. He's going to, you know, just spout his gibberish. Yeah. Right. He's not going to solve the problem. Um, I don't know what his economic team has in mind because Biden can't articulate it. But people vote their wallet. They always have. They always will. Yeah, they'll watch cable, some of them, and they'll get mad about crack pipes being distributed, which isn't true, by the way. No, it was. Um, Yes, it was, Bill. Yes, it was. They've changed it it now. Yes, they pulled it back. Right. Um, But anyway... This is going to sink. So I, I'm telling my uh, listeners and viewers, in every crossroads in life, in every painful situation, certainly inflation is painful, people don't have a lot of money. Of course it is. It's necessary to what they call, to cliche, course correct. So the biggest threat to our country now is the progressive movement. You would agree with that, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. The only way to destroy the progressive movement, because the media is embedded in it, media is not going to do it, is for the people to experience personal pain, which they are. And even if they don't like Trump or the Republicans or Mitch McConnell or all of that, they're going to say, I've had it. So I want these people out. And I don't want to hear any more progressive stuff. And that, I believe, is what is going to happen in November and beyond. I think if the pain gets too acute, however, then progressive policies of we'll take care of everybody and put them on no. the dole. You don't think so? That's what happened in the no. Great Depression. No, because people and you see it with COVID. That's the big indicator. Most Americans do not want the government telling them what to do. There is a segment that wants government handouts and doesn't mind being dependent on pinheads in Washington, but it is not a large segment. And so, you know, I'm a pretty good evaluator of this country and people are watching this COVID thing. You got to wear a mask. You got to get vax. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do the twist on Tuesday. I, you know, all of that. They don't like this. And if a country like Canada, which is way left in America, can devolve into chaos, which it has, Americans don't want big nanny state. And so the progressives can say all day long, we're going to give you, give you, give you. But I'm telling you, there's a wipe out coming. So do you think they can turn this around? I mean, I don't think that it was all of a sudden no. they saw the numbers and were like, oh, my gosh, COVID, we, we can take the masks off. I think this was seeing poll numbers that made the a lot of the Democrats turn on a dime this week. Too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Um, you know, and Biden cannot turn it around. I know you're not a big sports guy, but I am. And if you have an aging athlete in baseball who can't hit the fastball anymore, okay, just can't hit it, it, it they throw it by him. It's not like he can do anything to reverse that. So you have a president who cannot absorb complicated situations. He can't. Mm. So how are you going to ever turn it around? How? 
you won't. Well, you, that's why you've you know, got a huge machine that is trying desperately. I, I can't yeah, believe but, they can do it, but you know, I, I just don't think, I think inflation is going to get worse and worse and yep. worse. Uh, yep. And the federal reserve is out of bullets. And if they, if they start raising interest rates, that's only going to hurt the people even more. Uh, and uh, you know, that'll only make the government have to pay more interest on our debt. I mean, I just, <laughs> there's, there's no way out of the, the economic pain that, the Fed knows that, and the Fed is independent of the Biden administration, so they're not, they'll raise it a little bit. Yeah. But what is the real threat to the progressive Democratic Party is that the incompetence is going to rise. Fed. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly really? from, from BillOReilly.com. Check out his website. Check out his news report. He's there every night telling you what's going on. Bill O'Reilly and BillOReilly.com. Na, 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 na. 